Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. The title of my message is Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. Most of you commonly have heard this in traditional wedding ceremonies. Amen. How many have you ever heard that in wedding ceremonies? They don't do it too often. I don't do it in any of my ceremonies because somebody might speak. I'm just saying, I just took it completely out of all my wedding ceremonies because I ain't got time for foolishness. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that should anyone present know any reason that that particular couple should not be uh, joined in holy matrimony, they should speak now or what? See, holding your peace means to hold your tongue or to keep silent and not to say anything about it. So in other words, this is the opportunity for you to speak for whatever reason that these two should not be married or for the duration of that marriage, you must be silent. So you can't wait till after they get married and then you start talking about, well, I knew he had that problem when he got. Somebody says, speak now. Or forever hold your peace. Now, I want to pick back up from last Sunday. If you didn't like last Sunday, then you're not going to like this Sunday either. <laughs> but I gave you a lot of good, truthful information so that you can use out in society when people start coming up with all, the, all of these lame brain things that they're following behind and they don't even know reality. So let me ask you a question, saints of God. And this question has to be answered. What does a society look like that allows immorality to perpetuate without confrontation? What does a society look like that continues to to perpetuate sin without confrontation? It's social chaos. That's what we learned last Sunday, right? So now what I'm about to share with you is not in the news. You're not going to see it on any social media. You're not going to see it. Uh, on, on CNN or Fox or CNBC, ABC, or any of those other C's and D's and E's. But I'm going to share with you reality of what it looks like in a society with social chaos. An Alabama man arrested in Potomac Mills uh, Mall in Virginia, he was arrested because he was dr- cross-dressing and filming women. This has already happened. And it happened before HB2. In Seattle, Washington, a man um, was, uh, was, was undressing in a women's locker room at a local pool. He refused to leave, citing the laws that have changed, and he said he had a right to be there. Now, you, your daughters and your wife are in a local pool, like at your clubhouse. And they in there undressing, getting ready to get in the pool, and this guy just walks in and just say, no, you can't put me out. I got a right to be there. That's happening right now. In Toronto, Canada, a sexual predator was jailed after claiming to be transgender for sexually assaulting several women in two shelters in 2012 after the government there passed their gender identity bill. Because Canada's already capitulating to the culture but they're already getting arrested. This is what's happening, saints. Y'all want some more? Let me give you some more. In Palmdale, California, a 33-year-old cross-dressing man secretly taped women at a Macy's department store. He wasn't 
transgender. He just wanted to take pictures. In Connecticut, a 15-year-old special education student was coerced into a food court bathroom by a 20-year-old man dressed as a woman, and he was sexually assaulted. Somebody say social chaos. In Berkeley, California, a 29-year-old man was arrested twice for disguising himself as a woman to take pictures with his cell phone. In Purdue, the police department investigated a report of a man taking photographs of women in the restroom. In San Jose, California, a 60-year-old man, a registered sex offender, wearing fake breasts and a wig, was arrested for luring in a women's restroom. This is already taking place. So if we don't stand up to all of this, we are the last stand. There's nobody else to take a stand. The church is it. So if we continue to sit back and point fingers and say somebody ought to do something, then you're not in the game. I need people that's willing to get in the game. I need people that's willing to talk up, speak up, and come out of the closet. If you don't speak up now, you better. You're going to forever have to hold your peace. Because it's coming to a theater near you. <laughs> when people are not challenged to live right, you got voyeurism, exhibitionism, molestation, and assaults. And it will spread like a disease. And it's coming to the doorsteps of the church. We are the last stand. The last stand is they want all churches and pastors to be silent. That's the last stand. That's what they want. If you read their manifesto, that's what they want. They want to shut the church down. We are the last stand to teach and preach against immorality. We are it, saints of God. I mean, but are you really ready for this? (laughs) If you're not, it's still going to blatantly slap you in your face. So I'm just willing to preach on sensitive subjects. That's why it's so quiet in here. Ain't nobody giving much amen. And that's all right. You don't have to give me no good amen. It's still true. But one thing you're going to leave when you leave out of this place, you're going to have some truth. Amen. Guess what? You're going to have to deal with truth one way or another. That's just nine. That's all. That was, that was just nine of what I found. That's not even close to what's happening. But you don't hear it in the news. What you hear in the news is, oh, uh, the governor is taking North Carolina backwards. Backwards? How is the governor taking us backwards? Backwards to what? I know it's going to be quiet. That's okay. I'm going to keep on anyway. This is probably one of, one, I, Dr. Michael Brown is one person that I probably read his books and listen to his blog more than anybody else right now in the whole world. Uh, Dr. Brown, is, I, I love his books because Dr. Brown is out on the, on the front lines of this issue. He's out there debating uh, all of the homosexuals who say that they are born that way. He's debating all of the professors. He's debating the rabbis who claim that homosexuality is okay in the Bible. Dr. Brown is the only one out there that's doing this, and he moved to Charlotte, North Carolina for a reason. I'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes. 
He said this in a book uh, that I have, one of the books that I have by Dr. Brown. You might want to go get it and read it. It's called Rock the Boat. And so we got too many people in the boat that won't rock it. And see, you got to get out of that boat. You got to get out of that lethargy, out of that laziness, out of that slothfulness. You got to get out of that, saints of God, so that you can get out of the boat and start doing things. Now, I'm not saying that you are lazy. I'm just saying you might be able to do more than what you're doing. Now, as a matter of fact, I know in my heart, because I've already prayed, I know in my heart that most of you are not doing what you can do. Now, you might sit there and point fingers. You already know in your heart you can do more than what you're doing. You already know. So now you can have that little pride and arrogance all you want, but I came to deal with that today. And since you're dealing with a praying pastor that no man puts fear in me, I'm just willing to talk about the stuff that the church just don't want to talk about. Amen. One of the biggest hindrances in church people is pride and arrogance. Why? Because you think your nose, now you, you can untie two scriptures, now you know everything in the Bible. And I'm telling you right now, I got so much to learn about the Word of God. I've never, you won't ever arrive. We all have so much to learn, but I'm telling you something, unless you have a teachable spirit, you won't learn anything. That's why I surround myself with, with awesome men of God, so I can learn stuff from them. I got a long way to go. All of us do. Amen? Amen. Dr. Brown said we have become so inoculated to evil that we are numb to this thing and bite. Is that true? I believe it is. You know why? Because that community and their agenda was give them a little by little. Little by little. Now you can turn on nighttime television and now you see them having sex right there on television. Right there in your face. Little by little, what happens? What they do is they, they, they put so much in front of you to where you get desensitized to it. So you go from a wholesome movies where people didn't even want to kiss on screen to Brokeback Mountain. Oh, now, come on now. Then I had some dude tell me, did you see Brokeback? I looked at him like, I'm going to break your back. That's what I'm getting ready to do. Why would I have a desire to see some tainted movie about two men? I, have, I don't have that kind of desire in me. I'm not, I'm, I, don't, I don't love movies that much to where I got to go see that kind of mess. Something might be wrong with you if you call yourself a Christian and you can sit there and watch that and nothing inside of your spirit turns. What is wrong with us? Ten years ago, Michael Brown gave this message. You can hashtag this, enough is enough. Michael Brown gave, I was listening to one of his messages ten years ago. He said this. It was, it's, it's powerful, but I didn't understand what he meant until just, just recently. Ten years ago, he was in the middle of preaching at his church, and he stopped, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, something is going to happen in Charlotte that's going to put Charlotte on the national screen. He said this 10 years ago. He said something was going to happen in Charlotte that was going to get national attention. He said this 10 years ago. 
Now, Dr. Brown was part of the Pensacola Revival. I don't know if you follow revivals, you understand what the Pensacola Revival was all about. Powerful move of God. Dr. Brown was one of the pastors there, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you get up, you and your family, and move to Charlotte, because that's where the next great awakening is going to be. About the time he moved here, we moved here. We moved here about the same time. I didn't know this until later. We didn't know where we were going. We just knew God said Charlotte. Now, I'm trying to get on Dr. Brown's schedule, but it's hard. Because I want Dr. Brown to come in here and preach. Amen? But that brother is all over the world, so it's, it's hard to get a guy like that in a small church like this. But God is going to give me favor. going to give us favor because what this brother is talking about is what we need to hear Amen. and it's now again it's not a whole lot of mega church pastors and listen hear my heart here i'm not knocking mega churches or mega church pastors i'm just giving you some reality here there's not a whole lot of them out there debating this if they are please tell me about it and i will hype them up because they're doing what they should be doing i just don't see it saints but Dr. Brown, he's doing it. He's doing it on the national level. Amen? Amen. So, about, so, so then I told you this. So, so it is critical, saints of God, that as the church, we are at an impasse right now. That we are going to have to start standing boldly for what we believe. Now, there are some biblical truths and uh, theor theological paradigms that as a Christian, we have to be very, very clear about in our lives. I shared this on Facebook this morning. But... Here, here, if you are a Christian, here are some things that you got to be very, very clear about. We are not called to coexist with this sinful world. We are called to confront it. We are not called to a life of comfort. We are called to a life of conflict. We are not called to be complicit to cultural modalities. We are called to challenge them. We are not called to compromise his word. We are called to comply with them. And following Jesus does not, does not mean catering to our selfish desires. It means crucifying them. If we don't understand those concepts right there, you might be confused about what it means to be a Christian. The gospel message, and I'm not here to preach, I'm here to talk. The gospel message is counter to culture. The gospel message has never been about cultural inclusion. It always has been about cultural transformation. Come as you are. I, oh, the church is supposed to be come as you are. People say that. How many of you ever heard that? Well, the church, you know, the Bible says come as you are. How many of you say that? How many, have you found it? I told you all to find it for me. Have you found it in the Bible? You're not going to find it. Because the Bible never says, come as you are. The Bible says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know what that means? Transformation. But what the society wants, I want to come as I am and stay as I am. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message is, come as you are and be transformed into what God calls you to be. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we should know that. 
right? Because God is creating us to be new creatures. So, yeah, but they want to come as they are and continue to sin. And I'm not talking about just homosexuality. I'm talking about any sin because all of it is on the same level with God. I'm just trying to make sure that what they did back then is what we're doing today. How many of you know, know Reinhard Bunky? Ever heard of him before? Uh, about three people. Look him up on the Internet. Read his books. That brother, that brother right there is, <laughs> you just follow him. If you read about his life, you, you, you would be just ashamed. <laughs> You'd be like, man, I need to do more. He said, as believers, we are called to be a prophetic voice. To express the heart and mind of the spirit, to convict, somebody say to convict, to convict, to warn, to cry out, to comfort. I like my M there. To comfort is what I meant to say there. To heal, to help. This too will change a nation. It starts right here. Without that right there, there's not going to be any change. And if we look like, act like, talk like, and dress like the world, we can't change the world. Is this making sense at all? Let's look at some comparisons here. Jesus was rejected, but a lot of times in the church, we just want to be respected. Jesus was regarded as a radical but we always try to be reasonable. Jesus was accused of having demons, but we want accolades for having degrees. Jesus was put out by the religious hypocrites, uh, but we want to put up with religious hypocrisy. Jesus put no stock in the praise of men, but we strive for it. Jesus rebukes sin but we tend to tolerate it. See, those are some sharp comparisons that I began to look at the Word of God so that I can bring in the comparison to what Jesus' message was compared to what the messages are that we hear. Again, I'm not trying to uh, emotionally massage anybody today. I'm just giving you some clear definitions of what the ministry was like in the first century church because this is what it was like. It was a message of conviction. It was a message of change. You can't change people unless we change first. Why was Jesus crucified? Why was Paul beaten? Why was Peter imprisoned? Why was James pierced through with a sword? Why was Stephen stoned to death? Why was John the Baptist beheaded? Why was John the Revelator thrown on the Isle of Patmos? Was it because... They refused to speak up, or was it because they spoke up? Now, notice these guys died for speaking up for Christ. They were willing to die for speaking up for Christ. There are people overseas in Iraq. There are, there are no more Christians in Iraq. Iraq, Iraq had a, a large Christian population. There are no more Christians in Iraq. They're either gone or they're dead. 
most of them beheaded. Why? Because they refused to deny Jesus. Now that's over there. What if that was over here? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if there was some set that got loose in the U.S. that challenged the church in their beliefs and said, you know what? You got to denounce Jesus Christ or I'm going to cut your head off. I wonder how many church people will denounce Christ. Oh, yeah, they hop out by ta ta until that sword get there. And they, uh, you know, um, what's the name of the book you like? It's a pretty serious question. You know, in Columbine, that's what happened. They asked how many of them believed in Jesus. And when they said they do, that's, those are the ones that got shot. I wonder how many of our children would say that. Or they would just say, no, I don't go to church. I don't believe in no Jesus. I wonder how many of you sitting here. I told you this message was going to be challenging. I would hope that I give you enough truth that you can stand for Jesus. And I would hope that you enjoy coming to a church that is going to give you truth, regardless of how it feels. Because you got to remember, I never wanted to do this. I really didn't. I did not want to be up here in front of you like that. I wanted to be like you and watching somebody. And this is not a job for me. But I'm sensing something in my spirit I really don't like. And the church is in trouble. When we have evangelical pastors of major churches now going completely against Scripture, and they got all the doctorate degrees. You name it, they got degrees on top of degrees. But yet, they don't believe that the reality of the gospel. James 5, 19 and 20 says this, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns or converts him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error Wrong opinions relative to morals and religion of his ways will save his soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. There's not going to be any change without a conversion. Amen. You know, Jesus, I go to, I go to so-and-so, so-and-so church. My pastor is pastor, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I asked you. I asked you if you knew Jesus. Because the church you are associated with has nothing to do with your relationship. But I will have to ask you, what kind of relationship do you have with your pastor? Oh, well, you know, I just see him on Sunday. Oh, that's great. That's good. Do you really know him? Do you really know his heart? What are you doing in that church? Are you serving? 
right? That's what I have to ask people. Are you really, are you serving in the church? Do, they, do that church really know that you're there? Are you involved in anything? Are you participating in anything? Right? These are questions, these are, these are serious questions that I don't just let people go anymore because I'm bold now. Because I asked them now, where are you serving in the church? Well, you know, they got so many people. That's not what I ask you. I said, where are you serving? What kind of difference are you making? Well, I, 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 yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> See, saints of God, I can't convert people if I don't challenge them. Right. And if you're not willing to confront people, you can't change them. The issue with the church is we got soft. We're getting soft, and that's not good. Listen, they're going to talk bad about us. Uh, can I give you an example? Okay, since I'm going off the cuff, let me just go off the cuff. How many of you remember Stephen? Some people say Stephen, right? Whatever you call him, Stephen or Stephen. If you're from the ghetto, it's Stephen. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're real proper and polite and you've been to theology school, it's Stephen. Or Stefan. If you sound like you're real good and educated, it's Stefan. Like, uh, like Steve, right? So you guys remember, this guy was a deacon. Wasn't an elder, wasn't a bishop, apostle. He was a deacon. But he spoke up for what he believed. And when they got ready to stone Stephen, he began to talk about the wonders of God. And the Bible says in the midst of being stoned, the Bible says he looked up to an open heaven and he saw Jesus standing by the right hand of God. Now, it's something you got to understand here. Jesus is always talked about sitting at the right hand of God. But Stephen did something that was so tremendous on the earth that it got Jesus' attention and he had to stand up. He said, no, if that man is willing to be bold about me, I'm going to be bold about him. He said he looked up to open heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And the men that were stoning him, they covered their ears and they began to shout as loud as they could because they could not stand to hear the goodness of God. That's what society and religious liberals are doing to the church right now. They got the hand over their ears, and they're, they're screaming, Oh, you hypocrites! You judgmental people! They're shouting at the top of their voice so that they can't hear the wonders of God. Now, the question is, are we going to sit back and allow them to bully us? Or are we going to take a bull stand to where we can get the attention of Jesus? He prayed for them while they stoned him. And that's why we got to pray for sinners. Homosexuals, fornicators, liars. We got to pray for them all. Why? Because we got to have an end somewhere into their hearts. And we can't get there without prayer. Now, I can sit here. I can, I can teach you till my hair grows back. That'd be a long time. <laughs> I ain't had hair in a long time. But unless you take it and live it and speak it, and be it, you won't have it. This is not taught, it's caught. 
And if you're not willing to catch it, you're not going to get it. Somebody say amen. Amen. We should be converting people, guys. And the reason we may not be converting people is because we look too much like them. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just saying that might be. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not trying to talk bad about anybody. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, this is my quote. You know I have some good ones. Pastors are not called to give positive pep talk, motivational sales, pitch preaching. No, they are called to preach a confrontational gospel of repentance, righteousness, and holiness. I'm not here to give you a pep talk. I'm here to talk about sin and righteousness and holiness because that's what the church is all about. And if we don't deal with this stuff, saints, we're in trouble. When every, every great revival, it didn't start because somebody sang a good song or because a preacher preached a good sermon. You know what every great revival started? Prayer. It started with prayer. Jeremiah Lamphere in New York City, he started off in prayer on Wall Street. Five people showed up, 13 people showed up, and then, man, something happened. It broke to where people were getting saved every day. New York City. It was so amazing that they cracked, they cut the ice open in the Hudson River and baptized people in the dead of winter. You know you got to be saved. Because I would have been like, whoa, can I wait till the summer? Man, that water cold, bro. This is in the newspapers. If a businessman that loved God can do that in New York City, how much more we can do right here in Charlotte and in Monroe and in Indian Trail? I believe in you and I believe you can do it. You don't have to have a church or have a ministry to do it either. Jeremiah Lamphere wasn't even a pastor. He was a businessman that loved God. You can do it. You can start it with a Bible study in your house. No, there ain't going to be no Bible study. We're going to pray. What are we going to study? God, we're going to pray about him. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. How long are we going to pray? I don't know. We're just going to pray. Until y'all get tired, you can go home. We're just going to pray. Amen? I'm meeting with some people this week in this church so that we can start having prayer in this church. And what happened, we started having prayer, and boy, it was exciting, and then two people come every time. And so I stopped it. But we got to get back to the fundamentals of prayer. Amen. Amen. Hello. I know people don't like to pray. But you got a concert going on. Boy, they'll show up for a concert. Goodness gracious. But you say we're going to get together at church for prayer. I'll be called. Where are you, man? Uh, You know, pastor, I got to cut my grass. I thought you cut your grass yesterday. Man, it grew overnight. (laughs) there's a scripture in the bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death see what what we're seeing today is just because something seems right or just because something feels right doesn't make it so this gets down to lifestyle regulation that's this bottom line let me just bottom line this thing out Then let me just pray and we're going to go home. Let me bottom line it out. This is all about changing one's lifestyle, right? And I'm not even dealing with the homosexual community. I'm talking about our lifestyle. I'm talking about a lifestyle of complicity. You know, you're just complicit to what everything is going on. 
You, you, you sit back and point fingers and say somebody ought to do something instead of you doing something. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, I'm not, I'm way, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with us now. Somebody say he's talking about me. So I'm talking about you now. So I'm talking about you. And since I'm talking about you, then now you got to look at your life to see, are you really doing everything that you can do for the Lord? Now, I don't want you to answer the question. This is rhetorical. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have I set it up. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying answer the question. I'm, I'm just asking. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to expose some things, okay? I'm just asking. Because when I asked myself that question, my answer was no. There is more that I can do. Now, your answer might be yes. And if your answer is yes, praise God. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you can do more, and you know you can do more, now let, me, let, me just, okay, let me just break it down for you so you understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more prayer, more worship alone. I'm not talking about in the church because I'm trying to get you to worship at church. And so, so I'm talking about alone. But if you worship at home, there ain't no problem worshiping at church. But if you don't worship at home, then, then it's hard for you to worship at church. I'm just saying, guys. I just, it, it just all just, well, Pastor, I don't feel like I have to worship. Then, then your arrogant self just don't, have, don't worship then. Because if Jesus is seeking worship, I'm trying to help you. Because, see, a lot of times people don't want him until you get hit with something. Then you're going to call his name. There was no atheist in the foxhole. Everybody calling on God when those bullets are flying. And I'm telling you, we're in a foxhole right now. The bullets are flying. They're not afraid of us. (laughs) Are you seeing what's going on in society today? You just stand up for what's right and watch how they get down on you. That's why I said once they find out about me and my messages, we're going to be in the news. Are you ready for that? How many of y'all going to leave the church when that happens? Some of y'all going to leave. I know it. But pastor, that's just not what I joined church for. That's just y'all just into so much stuff. I just wanted a quiet little nice church. Y'all just too deep up in your church. Well, you can just go over there to that lukewarm church. And you can sit right there with the people who are fornicating and sinning and lying. And you can sit right next to them. And then when one of them hit on you while you right there with your spouse, then you might bring your little behind back. This is what's happening in the world today. I'm just willing to talk about it. I know it ain't nice. I know you didn't come Sunday morning to hear stuff like this. But here it is. This is the real. And since I work in corporate America... Is blatantly in my face every day. And they are not afraid. And we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And what I want this church to do is to be like the first century church in the book of Acts, where we had all things common, where people really believed in one another. But there were miracle signs and wonders happened in that church. Why? Because they believed in a confrontational gospel that transformed people's lives to be something better than what they were. That's, that's the kind of church I want to see. I don't want to see cancer and all this other stuff going on in the church. You best believe with what I'm sensing in my spirit, the, the remnant church, just the remnant church, is the church that's going to be healed. Amen. Healings are not going to break out in a church that's not teaching truth. Amen. It's just not going to happen. Right. So there there are pockets of ministries and churches and pastors who believe the truth, teach the truth, even though it's not popular. There are major, major churches right now, 
when the pastor began to turn and teach, started teaching truth, hundreds of people got up and walked out of the churches. Why? Because it cut against the grain of their lifestyle. And since I started the church teaching truth, there ain't no change in here. Amen? Only messages of confrontation can produce miracles of conversion. If we are not willing, saints of God, to confront, there's not going to be many conversions. This starts with you at home. This starts with you on your job. This starts with you and your community. Do people know you're a Christian? <laughs> I mean, let's just get to that fundamental right there. Do they even know you saved? I mean, you know, you, you go in there and you're laughing and you ha, 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 and you're getting all the little jokes and stuff. And, oh, John, you just, uh, no, uh, no, wait a minute now. I think you got me twisted. You, you know, let me make sure I explain something to you. Let me, let me explain something. Let me explain. Let me explain something. Come here. Let me explain. <laughs> no, I don't do those kind of things. No, you're not going to tell me any racial jokes. Nope. Not going to do it. Don't want to hear it. It's a bunch of mess. I got more important things to do. Nope. I'm not getting into that. Well, John, what do you feel about HB2? What do you feel about it? I know what I feel. What do you feel about it? What side are you on? Right? I had to get one of my coworkers real straight. And she'll never cross me again. Now she's going to get confronted. Right? I just can't believe they passed something like this. I said, let me me say something. You you got any kids? She said, no, I don't have any children. I said, then you would never understand. I said, I have girls and a wife. And I said, to have some joker who play play like they're transgender, just to go in the bathroom with my babies, there's going to be some serious, serious things happening. Confrontation, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, keep it, let's, let's, let's keep it nice and soft to where y'all had to pray for your pastor. Right? Because why? If we don't stand up for what's right, who's going to do it? Right? So, so, when I told her, I said, well, just so you know what side I stand on, I'm a man of God, and I stand on the side of righteousness. There's nothing righteous about that lifestyle. So until you can come and give me a better answer and a better response, then you don't need to be talking to me about this. I said, it's wrong. Always will be wrong. The Bible is not going to change just because you like it. Boom. Drop the mic, right? <laughs> now, listen. Now, listen, what side of that conversation would you have been on? And now that you've been listening to my messages, you already know the information. I'm giving you good, sound information so that you will be able to give people good, sound rebuttals. Right? There's not enough to say, well, the Bible says they don't even believe the Bible, so you can't even go there. Let's just get right down to what's right. What's moral? Is it morally right that we accept these guys going into these bathrooms doing this stuff to these women? That's not right, guys. Come on. But we're the last stand. Amen? Amen. And one of the last things that we have to deal with in the church 
is this right here. That's one of the last things we got to deal with in the church is racism. You realize how many racial churches we got? Even today. I have a cousin in Alabama, has a doctorate's degree in theology. I'm not going to tell you the denomination he was a part of. But when he asked them to preach, they told him they will find him a black church to preach in. He got as many degrees as the pastor in the church. Oh, no, we'll find you a nice little black church to preach in. <laughs> this, is, this is real. This is what's happening. Right? We got to get better. I never wanted an all-black church. But it's hard. Let me just give you some facts here. It's hard for a black pastor to have white members. That's just reality. You find any mega church pastor black, and you look at the percentage of white people in that church. Let's take T.D. Jakes, about 5 maybe 10% white. Because he even said, I think it might, it might be 8 or 7. I mean, he, and he's known all around the world. It's, it's just indicative of facts. I'm not a black gospel teacher. I don't hoop. I don't even know how. White, white people don't, probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say hoop. Y'all know hooping? You put your hand on your ear and you, ah <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, you heard that before, Mike. Haven't you heard that before? You know, and the Lord says, ha <laughs> I know, I'm not knocking it. Some of them can really go, man. I mean, uh, you know, praise God. But I just can't do it. I, I tried it one time. I just, I got confused on what I was going to say next. And my transmission slipped. It just didn't go right for me. <laughs> but I, how many of you do like hooping though? Y'all like it? Now, if it's a good teacher, if it's a good teacher, right? If it's a good teacher, it's really, really good. But I, I don't have that quality. I, pray, I, I wish I did, but I don't have it. Praise God. But, but yo, you didn't want me to have it. But listen. <laughs> okay, so listen. I, I bring up stuff like this because this is real. This is a reality. I don't have a racial bone in my body. I love all people. If you've been in the military, you love all people because everybody, everybody's got to fight. <laughs> hey, man, it doesn't matter. I don't care what color you are. Do you have bullets in that gun? Let's go. <laughs> it don't matter. We got to win this war. Saints of God, we are in a war. Stand to your feet. We are in a war. And the one thing I know, we need each other. I don't care if you're black, you're white, Hispanic. I, it doesn't matter. I need you. The church needs you. But we need you to take a bold stand for what you believe. We need our young, excuse me, our young people to stand up for Jesus. And if the young people see the adults all wussified, then why would they stand for God? So we have to be the ultimate example. And I just pray that I can be a good example for you. I just pray that I don't come across as being too, too dogmatic about what I believe but also come across as loving because I love you enough so that I can teach what I need to teach you because I truly believe you came in here to hear some truth. I believe that with all of my heart, and I promise you, amen, I promise you that I'm going to continue to give you truth. Amen? It doesn't always make for the most exciting messages, but I've, I've, I just solidified it in my mind. I'm not trying to be exciting. 
I've, I've left exciting messages for important messages. And I think we need more important, mes important messages than emotionally massaging you. Now, some of them would be exciting, but I'd just rather stick with what's important. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.